It is an absolute gorgeous day here in Cincinnati as we get ready for the beginning of the Major League Baseball season, which is coming up at the end of this week. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dave Mitchell, and along with Blake Watson, it is time now for another season of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Glad to have you along tonight on UltimateSportsTalk.com as we kick back and talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And unfortunately for me, I think it's going to be a better season for the Reds than it is going to be for the Cleveland Indians, but we'll get into that here in just a little bit. Blake, how's everything going for you today? Good day, man. Real happy to be back for a second year. Uh, excited to talk about my Reds. Hopefully they have a another good year. Well, all right, let's get into it right away and talk mainly, probably mostly about the Reds tonight because it's going to be a very interesting season, I think, for them. David Bell back for another year as manager. First of all, let, let's get into the discussion about how it's no longer 60 games, it's 162 games, and how much of a big deal do you think that's going to be in your mind this year? I think it's a benefit and a, a bit of a detractor for the Reds. I think offensively it's going to help them tremendously. you, you got to assume that guys like A. Eugenio Suarez, Nick Castellanos, Mike Neustakis, um, are going to have better years um, in, in, a, in, you know, a more traditional season. Like Eugenio Suarez got off to a three and thirty-four, three for thirty-four start at the plate last year, and a sixty-game season, man. That's just you just can't come back from that. Um, Castellanos got hot at the beginning and then struggled for a while, and then was hitting again towards the end of the year. And Mustakis was hurt and. With those things happening in such a short period of time, I think you have to expect those guys. You know, it's, it's an old Dusty Baker line that I actually didn't was a Dusty fan, but you know, he said guys are who their baseball card says they are, and last year those three guys were not that. Um, and so you have to expect them to come back to, to being who they are traditionally. But where it hurts the Reds is, you know, the pitching staff worse than it was last year. The starting staff is just not what it was. So over 162, if they had that starting staff they had a year ago, I think they could be really, really, really good. And again, all they really lost was Trevor Bauer. Um, but that's, that's a big piece, man. NL Cy Young winner, and you know, I, I know LA is really happy to have him. Oh, absolutely. And I think he's happy to be in Los Angeles. You know, I saw a little clip of him, um, and it was on, uh, Bryant Gumbel's, uh, Real Sports on HBO just a couple of weeks ago. His agent, Blake, which I was not aware of until I saw this piece, is a girl, and I don't mean anything by that, but is a woman that he befriended when he was going to school at UCLA, and she knew a lot about it, wanted to get into the industry, and he gave her her break, and just by all looks of it, when I was watching this piece, She's going to be an outstanding agent for a lot of baseball players that he's bringing her way. Yeah, I know. I don't know who, but I know she represents a couple other Reds now. Actually, um, it's probably minor league level guys. I think Bauer's still her only like marquee type client. Um, her, I think her name's Rachel Luba. Um, she's got a great social media presence, um, and obviously so does Trevor Bauer with all his, his YouTube stuff that he does and uh, his his blog that he does and his his podcast type stuff. Um, I think it's a good fit for Bauer in L.A. I'm actually really glad the Reds didn't pay him nearly what, what the Dodgers did. I love Trevor Bauer. He had a fantastic year. I would love for him to still be a Red. But I don't think anybody's worth the money that he got 
Um, no. You know, you can recreate, by not spending that money, they can recreate some of what he could do with other guys. Um, I, you know, I think the Reds are going to be fine. I think the starting pitching will be okay. The top three guys are still really good. Um, but, yeah, it's not nearly what the Dodgers can run out against you. Uh, Blake, what's more economically feasible for a Major League Baseball team? You give Trevor Bauer a contract that is worth $40 million. You know they're going to baby him. We're just in that era of pitching where all pitchers are babied. The pitch count is there. If they have a hangnail, they don't throw them that day. They let them take another three or four days off. But you're giving him $40 million when you could spend... Let's just say forty million or forty-five million dollars, where you've got two pitchers that are worth twenty million dollars a piece, and a third pitcher that's worth five million. Bauer, at best, is going to win you twenty games. Let's just say he does go out and win twenty games over one hundred and sixty-two. But if you can get three pitchers for forty-five million at say fifteen million a piece, that win you eight games. Well, right there, you're twenty-four wins. You're four wins ahead of the pack. I completely agree. If you give me, let's just say, I think Sonny Gray is making around $14 million this year. You give me three Sonny Grays or one Trevor Bauer, I'll take three Sonny Grays every day of the week. Um, that's just no doubt about it. Slam dunk, mark it down. Like, I just, I don't understand. I mean, do you think Trevor Bauer is making $40 million this year? And he is going to pitch in maybe 35 games. That's if he stays perfectly healthy. He'll start 35, 36 games. That's more than a million dollars a start. Like, what are, for, you know, yeah. even if he's the best pitcher that ever lived, I just don't get it. I did. But that's just the way the, the way the game's going, right? And you guys got, got guys like Mike Leake making $12 million a year. It, it's, it's mind boggling the money that they're throwing around, especially at pitching, because there's just not enough guys that can do it at the, at that level. And for smaller market teams like the Reds and the Indians, for that matter, you gotta do it. You gotta have at least one or two guys in your rotation that are solid pieces that are free arbitration, right? That are, that are in their six year window that you, that, that are free, free agents anyway, that are in their six year window of the under team control, or you're paying them at least not a ridiculous salary. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you completely about that. I would rather have three or four other guys. Now the problem with the Reds this year is they did that. They traded Iglesias, so they cut costs, and they didn't reinvest it. So a lot of people in Cincinnati are not happy that they didn't spend some money this offseason um, when they when they were saving some money. Yeah, absolutely. And and when, you know, all right, so we, we look at the aspect that the Reds didn't want to spend any money, on Bauer at least. You turn around and you look at the Indians, and the Indians have done the same thing. They've gotten rid of Carlos Santana. They traded Francisco Lindor. And the one thing that the Francisco Lindor trade proved to me, to me I thought there were better offers out there. The Reds' offer obviously was not one of them. It proved to me that the Reds did not and do not have an up-and-coming shortstop in their farm system. And you can argue with me until you're blue in the face about that, but if they did... The Reds probably, I thought the Reds gave the Indians a better deal if they would have had a, a shortstop to give back to the Indians. Plus the fact, now that the Reds have moved Suarez to shortstop, obviously the Reds didn't have anything there to go with. Yeah, I think, I mean, you look at Jose Garcia, he's definitely got a shot. Defensively, he's big league ready right now. Um, but I don't think anybody thinks he's going to hit to a level that makes him a 
legitimate option at the major league level for a 162-game season. I actually like the Suarez move um, based on what they have. And from all, from all accounts, he came into camp in great shape. Um, and people forget he was, he was a shortstop when the Reds traded for him. Right. But he was kind of an afterthought, honestly, in that trade. I mean, the Alfredo Simon deal to, to, to the uh, White Sox, or Tigers, Tigers. Um, he wasn't even the key of that of that trade. So, you know, obviously Suarez has been a, fuck, uh, a fantastic piece at third base for the Reds. And I think he'll be fine at shortstop. They're not going to be a good defensive team regardless of who plays shortstop. So get as many offensive guys out there as you possibly can. How just how well do you think India will be? And once you answer that question, I've got another aspect to throw at you on it. It's hard to say. So uh, Jonathan India, you know, first round draft pick out of Florida, absolutely mashed when he was at Florida. Um, he is he was expected to be a plus bat, and he, he's played a lot of shortstop in Florida, so he's got to be athletic enough to play you know, second base in the big league level. Um, I, I know it's just spring training, but, man, he has absolutely tore the cover off the ball down there in Arizona. Um, so if you can get anything close to what he's done in spring training, I think Jonathan India has got a chance to be a really good player. I was listening to the radio the other day, and they were talking to the Reds hitting coach, and he said that basically India retooled his approach. His swing's the same, but he retooled his approach. And, and because of the way he retooled his approach – he is getting his best swing every time he's in the box. And we all know with baseball, it doesn't really matter. Um, the, the outcome doesn't really matter, right? It, it's all about the approach and how you how you go about getting it, your, your job done in the batter's box. What happens after you swing the bat typically isn't, isn't there, isn't controllable, right? Like you fail 70% of the time. So, it's just tough, man. It's just, I think India's going to be fine. I actually think, in the grand scheme of things, it's going to make the Reds a better offensive team with Jonathan India on the roster. Well, I think you've got your first uh, commentary with the dog in the background telling you he's not agreeing with you. <laughs> I think he agrees with me. I think he was reaffirming my point. Well, um, I mean, here here you've got, and, and I saw last night, where I'm really shocked that the Rangers are doing this. The Texas Rangers have said, there's no place on their roster for Ruffnett Odor. And he is an all-star, or has been in the past, an all-star second baseman. Not that old. He's only reached just 30 years old. He's been an all-star second baseman in the past. If this India experiment doesn't work out, the Reds could conceivably go out and get an Odor. But the thing that surprised me most of all, Blake, is... They could have actually moved, instead of Mustakas from second to third, they could have moved Castellanos from right to third base. Because Castellanos has played third for a majority of his career. Yeah, and he's, he's not a very good outfielder. Um, he's not a very good third baseman either, but you got to get him in the lineup. Yeah, I think, but I think Mustakas, it, it's a better fit for Mustakas to play third. Um, it was always kind of a stretch to think he could play second base. Second base is one of the easier positions in baseball to play. Um, but it's, it's, I don't know. I'm okay with the move. I think they're better offensively the way they are. The one that I was surprised they didn't entertain moving at all was Senzel. Um, I'm surprised they didn't look at Senzel because Senzel was drafted as a shortstop third baseman out of Tennessee. Right. Um, 
I'm surprised, and he's very athletic. He, he's turned into a pretty good center fielder when he's healthy. Um, but I, I'm really surprised they didn't look at him at either second base or third base or even shortstop because I was listening to another show on the radio the other day and they were talking about the Reds and if if everything works the way the Reds think it's going to, they have no place for Shogo Akiyama. And Shogo Akiyama raked at the end of last year. He was the Reds, the Reds best hitter over the last month of the season last year. And and that's kind of tough that he's not going to have a spot to play regularly um, with, with the way the team's currently constructed because you're not taking Castellanos' bat out of out of the lineup. He doesn't want to sit ever. The the fact that the National League went away from the DH this year is actually going to hurt the Reds a little bit because they've got the two the, so their two corner outfielders that are start that'll start both basically DHs. Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos are both negative defensive players. But they both rank. So you need them both in the lineup. Um, and, you know, you can't platoon Akiyama with Winker in left because they're both left-handed. And you're not going to sit Cassianos no matter who you're playing against for the most part. I mean, Akiyama's going to struggle to get it back on this team if everybody stays healthy. Well, the guy I think it's going to be a major surprise with the Reds is Naquin. But he's another one that I don't know where he I don't know where he plays. I don't know when he gets his opportunity to play. I, I really think what's going to happen here, Blake, is they're going to move Mustakas back to second. If India doesn't hit, they're going to move Mustakas back to second, Castellanos to third, and Naquin's going to find his way into the lineup. You just watch; he will find his way into the lineup. He did it with the Indians. He'll do it with the Reds. I like Tyler Naquin a lot. Like I really do. I think he's a good player. But I, I'm at the point where, you know, basically with what they have invested, if if that happens, then Akiyama is going to start most of those games in, out, in the outfield. Um, I, I don't know if Naquin can play first base in the event that Joey Votto gets hurt. Um, that would be helpful because Joey's a little dinged up coming back from the COVID stuff. But there's another spot where, you know, they have the built-in back next first baseman. Moustakis would go to first, too. So it, it, there's a lot of moving parts with this team, and a lot of it stems from the fact that they didn't get a shortstop, um, and there's no skates in the National League. So, it, you know, I think the Reds have a chance to be pretty good offensively, basically without adding many pieces, if Senzel stays healthy, if Suarez can do enough defensively shortstop to stay there. Um, I think Tyler Stevenson's going to be an upgrade as, as the, the – platoon catcher over Kurt Casale. Against Chick got a chance to be pretty good offensively. Um, so I, I I don't know. It's hard to pick to, to really see what they're going to do should some of these experiments they're doing not work out. It really sucked that they missed out on the shortstop. But I'm glad they didn't overspend for a shortstop that wasn't tremendously better than what they had. Um, because, if they, you know, you sign – a Didi Gregorius or a, you know, a Marcus Simeon in the offseason and overpay those guys and they come in and struggle, you're, you, you're, you know, there's no point in doing that, especially as a small market team, especially with all the shortstops that are on the market next year. Um, so I, I don't know. It's, they're, they're, they're going to be a fun team to watch because of all of the questions. Well, the thing that's got me, and I have not been this frustrated about a Cleveland Indians baseball team since Manny Acta was the manager back in 2012, 13, whenever that was. Acta was just a joke. He was an acting manager rather than just a manager. And that's the way I always put it when we were talking about it 
back then. But, Blake, you know, I, I've got all the confidence in the world in the Indians' front office. Chris Antonetti, I think, is one of the best, if not the best, general manager in baseball. And I am not kidding when I say that. He he is right up there. If not at the top, he's within the top three or four general managers. And the reason I say that is he does more with less than any other general manager does in baseball. Any other general manager that was put in this position that he has been put into with the Dolans as the owners of this ball club probably would have left or been fired by now. But the scouting department for the Indians and the front office for the Indians does an outstanding job of getting talent back for the players that they have to trade away, i.e. Francisco Lindor and just basically the cutting of Carlos Santana, who's now in Kansas City, by the way, playing first base for the Royals, an interesting development there. But as far as the Indians are concerned, with the, the players that they have kept, and the, the Andres Jimenez is going to be the starting shortstop for them this year, and they're looking at moving one of the other shortstops that they had, Rosario, out into center field to see if he can play center field. I mean, you're looking at situations here, Blake, that players that played well in spring training, and this has always been my complaint about the Indians for as long as I can remember Terry Francona being the manager. To me, the one drawback I think about Francona being the manager is, <clears throat> excuse me, he has got his mind made up going into the season what his roster is going to look like. It's always been that way. I mean, when you look at, and, and the biggest one I can remember is Urshela. Urshela played well for the Indians at third base. And when they finally decided that they had enough of him, they wouldn't just continually put him into the lineup. And he wasn't doing bad. He was hitting 240, 250 at the time, playing great defensive third base. But they decided at the time that they had to move him off third base and put Jose Ramirez there. Fine, not a bad move, don't have a problem with that, but I have a problem with the fact that they just went out and cut Urshela. And what is he now? He's an all-star third baseman for the New York Yankees, and a power-hitting third baseman. And what do the Indians need right now? A power-hitting bat in their lineup. And he's playing in New York. And that's where I've got the problem. The same thing is going on right now with Yu Chang as far as the Indians are concerned. Yu Chang is a third baseman. Over the spring training, here's his, here's his totals. In 17 games at third, Yu Chang had 38 at-bats in Arizona, 11 hits, 4 of them home runs, and 10 RBIs. He led the team in homers. He led the team in RBIs. What's this guy going to do? He's going to sit the bench. Why is he going to sit the bench? Because we've got to have Jake Bowers playing first base. And why do we have to have Jake Bowers playing first base? Because he's run out of options and can't be sent back to Columbus to play minor league baseball. You know where Jake Bowers would be if I was running this team, Blake? On the first train out of town. Jake Bowers is not in your plans for the future of this ball club. Yu Chang is. Jake Bowers beat out another guy named Bobby Bradley... 
and I want to get to the, the stats that Bradley had during spring training. In 13 games, 33 at-bats, two homers, 11 RBIs. But where is Bobby Bradley going to start the season at? In Columbus. Why? Because he's got options left and is going back down to Columbus to use them up. And when you look at what Jake Bowers did during spring training, it, it was abysmal. I mean, he's not even on. I've got to go to the second page to tell you what Jake Bowers did statistically for the Indians in spring training. That's how bad this guy has been. He's got six, he's in 35 at bats, Blake, seven hits, 200 batting average. Does that justify this guy being the starting first baseman for the Indians? Heck no. He doesn't. But that's the thought process that the Indians have Every single year. They've got another kid that they got in this Francisco Lindor deal. His name is Owen Miller. Owen Miller is a second baseman. Now, Owen Miller, from for all intents and purposes, was a guy that the Mets did not want to give up on. And after looking at him a few times, I can understand why. In 40 at-bats, Blake, he had 16 hits, a 400 batting average, had one homer, six RBIs. Kid looked good at second base, but we've got Cesar Hernandez, which I'm not going to complain about. I like the idea of them bringing Cesar Hernandez back. But if you're going to go full bore into this youth movement that you've got, why are you spending $6 million on a Cesar Hernandez to bring him back in a one-year deal when you've got Owen Miller there ready to take his place and go in at second base? These are moves, Blake, and another thing is you could move Jose Ramirez to second base, move him back there, and play Yu Chang at third. But we're not doing the things that a team that is building for the future is doing. It's like they can't figure out if they're building for the future or because of the pitching staff. They're playing to win now. And by the way, don't get me started on the pitching staff because that's going to be an interesting situation too. When you went into the last season – with your top three pitchers being uh, being uh, Shane Bieber and Clevenger and Savali. Now you've lost Clevenger. You would have lost Clevenger anyway because he blew out his elbow. But when you look at this team, now their starting rotation is going to be extremely interesting. You've got Bieber is going to be the top of the order. Logan Allen is a guy that they got from the Padres. He's going to be in the starting rotation. Um Plutko didn't even make the starting rotation. Savali is making the rotation. I'm going down the list here. Uh, Zach Plezak will be one of the starters and Tristan McKenzie. I like what the Indians have as far as their starting pitching is concerned. It's got a lot of balance and a lot of promise. It's not as good as it has been over the last couple of seasons, but I'm anxious to watch what they can do over the next year or two to develop. But as far as the rest of this is concerned, Blake, I mean, this outfield is putrid. It is putrid. Rosario is the only guy that they've got coming back. And thank God they got him from the Twins because at least they they caused the Twins to have some heartache and got him. But he's on a one-year deal, too. I mean, the Indians don't sign anybody to more than a one-year deal anymore. It's just gotten to the point where this money situation is so bad, they've got to do something about it. And that's what's got me so irate about the Indians coming into this season. 
Yeah, they seem like a team that's stuck between rebuilding and trying to be good. Um, and we talked about that a lot before last season when we talked about them. They should, I thought they should have traded Francisco Lindor before last year, before even before all the COVID stuff. Um, because, you know, it was, t- it was basically time to start over. Other than their pitching staff was so good. Um, but even with Lindor last year, offensively, they weren't very good. Um, and, you know, you got Lindor, Santana, and Ramirez. And theoretically, you should have probably moved all of those guys. Um, and, and went young. And, you know, Bieber is going to be around for a while. I don't know what his contract is. Um, but he's not going anywhere. You knew you were going to lose Clevenger. They traded him. So, in reality, they should have just blown the thing up. And, and started young. And the Indians have shown, like you said earlier in, in that in that little bit of a rant you went on, their front office can identify talent. That most of those guys that we're talking about are homegrown guys, right? Are guys that yep. they identified as either minor leaguers and traded for them or signed or drafted. Like, it's all guys that they've done a really good job uh, of putting together. And, you know, they've proven they can do that. So if the money is that big of an issue – Stop signing these retreads to one-year deals. Like, Rosario is a good player, but, you know, <clears throat> give those at-bats to a young guy. Um, you know, to, to have, a, have a real conversation with Beaver. Like, look, man, we're not going to be good for a couple of years. Um, but, you know, we you are a part of this team's long-term future. But everybody else is, is, is expendable. Um, you know, you, you move Jose Ramirez, you're going to get useful pieces for, for him. So... I, I, I kind of agree with you in that it, it just seems like there's no real direction. And I felt that way about the Reds for a long time. Um, after the run where they, you know, they traded for Senshu 2 and traded for Matt Latos. And they, they did those things to make themselves really good for a couple of years. They, they lost their rudder. They didn't know where to go after that. Um, they couldn't figure out if they wanted to be good or blow it up. And, and in reality, they did the wrong thing. They traded a roll Chapman for a bag of baseballs. Um, they didn't get anything out of a lot of guys. Now, some of those deals that they did ended up being very, very good deals. I mean, he's gone now, but you know, you trade Dan Straley for, uh, for Anthony DiSclefani and DiSclefani turns into a good player. Um, you trade Alfredo Simon for Eugenio Suarez. He's a, obviously now he's playing shortstop, but he's one of the three or four best third basemen in baseball. Um, and so those deals have, have kind of, set the stage for this this little bit of a rebirth they're on, and then they went out and spent some money last year. Um, so, yeah, I think they're, they're, the Indians are in a spot now where they're really similar to where the Reds were a couple of years ago. The difference is I trust the Indians' front office and organization more to rebuild than I do the Reds. Um, I think the Reds are fine at being solid, um, but the Indians have a chance to, you know, I would have blown it up. I would have. Moved everybody, got the best deal you could for everybody. Be really bad for two years and let these kids grow. Keep Gio Urshela. Keep these guys and get them at back and, and realize what they're going to turn into. Because if you go in, you know, if they were looking right now, Gio Urshela was the cornerstone of their rebuild that they started two years ago, then you're in pretty good shape. Yeah. Right? Yeah. With all these guys that you got for Lindor and then what you would have gotten in a, in a, uh, been a trade for Ramirez in Santana last year before you let him walk. Um, and I don't think you would have got a huge return for Carlos Santana, but you would have got something. Um, 
And, and you could, probably could have got a better deal than you got out of the Mike Clevenger trade, if you, even if you traded him, you know, the offseason the year before. Um, it, it's a lot, like I said, a lot like what we talked about with the Lindor trade. I thought the Indians were going to be good last year, and their pitching staff gave them a shot to win the whole thing, I think. Um, but reality, if you look at their roster, 1-25, to they weren't good enough to win a World Series. No. So it's not, it's, there's two types of teams, right? Either you're good enough to win a World Series, or you're trying to be good enough. And what's the best way to get there? The best way to get there probably would have been to move on from those guys earlier, which, same thing, I wish the Reds would have done, traded Cueto earlier, traded all those guys earlier. Um, yeah, it, it's just a weird spot, man. They're, they're trying to stay relevant. But they know they have to retool, and it's hard to retool on the fly. It's hard not to, to tear the whole thing down and restart, unless you're the Dodgers or the Yankees that can spend a half ton of money and, and just buy dudes. So, well, and, and our teams just aren't that right. Like they were just not that way. And, and the thing about it is, here, here's another, here's another couple of items as far as the outfield is concerned. Jordan Luplo is going to be in the on the 25 man roster. Luplo went 0 for 15. In spring training. 0 for 15. I mean, this is, and he only plays against left-handed pitching. He's a right-handed batter. He only plays against left-handed pitching. He's, he went 0 for 15. But then the, the biggest disgrace, Blake, and I thought this was ridiculous. I thought it was ridiculous when they did it, and I still think it's ridiculous. They invited Billy Hamilton to training camp. What chance in hell did Billy Hamilton have of making the Indians for crown? Why the guy went to the plate, Blake, ten times, had one hit, which is typical for his career. He's a one hundred to two hundred percentage batting average hitter, but nonetheless, why are you wasting those ten at bats on Billy Hamilton for crying out loud? Yeah, yeah, and Billy Hamilton's one of those guys. Like I'm still. Like Billy Hamilton's never been able to hit, never going to be able to hit. But if I have a really good team, I would love to have a guy like Billy Hamilton on my bench, right? A guy that can steal a bag in late innings, can play defense for you in center field, can be a stopgap guy if somebody gets hurt, can give you, you know, when he's out there, he's giving you plus-plus defense and plus-plus base running. So if you get to a, you know, you're in the ALCS and you're in the ninth inning, and you got a guy on first that needs a score. You put Billy Hamilton out there, and everybody in the park can know he's stealing the bag, and he's still going to steal it. Um, and, and so if you're a good team, I have no problem having Billy Hamilton on my roster. But if you're not, what's the point of giving a 32-year-old retread those bats? I completely agree with you. Um, I, don't, I don't think the Indians are going to be bad, but they're not competing for a World Series this year. That's just the honest-to-God no. truth. And so why do you want a guy like that taking it back from a kid that could be, you know, growing at the major league level. Now, these teams are so worried about, you know, service time and all that shit that it's, you know, they don't want to bring these kids up too early. And I get that to an extent. And you still have to have 25 major league level players on your roster. Um, It's just just tough. I I don't understand giving Billy Hamilton the attack. I just don't. Blake, I, the Major League Baseball is going to continue on with a couple of rule changes that they implemented a year ago. The one you and I are going to disagree on is the doubleheaders. I don't like the seven-inning doubleheaders. I, I never will like it, and I don't like it. But I will say this. I thought Major League Base, and, and plus fact, in the extra innings, they're going to put the guy at second base again. That That's the other one I don't agree with. But the one I thought that they should have kept 
was the DH in the National League. But I think the only reason they went away from that this year is because the contract with the Players Association is coming up at the end of the year, and they want to use the DH in the National League as a bargaining chip. Yeah, that that, that whole uh, negotiation is going to be ugly regardless. So having um, having anything in their back pocket is probably a plus. I really, I'm really surprised they didn't keep the, the DH. You know, we've, like, we've argued at, at ball games, you know, I think the seven-inning doubleheader, while I don't love it, like as a baseball purist, I get it. I understand. It's, it's better for a viewing experience to do that. It's also better for the teams because you're just set, they're just set up. It's really difficult to play two nine-inning baseball games in the same day nowadays. With the pitching restrictions and the way they handle pitching staff, it's, it's really hard. And they always had the rule, you get an extra guy and you bring up a minor league pitcher, but theoretically, that guy's typically going to either start the game and not be very good, and you're punting one of the games, or he's going to be a bullpen arm that's not going to throw unless one of the games gets out of hand. So it does, that that rule never really helped. Um, I, I like the seven-inning doubleheaders. I'm not a huge fan of the runner-on second rule. Um, number one, because when we do it in softball, it's really hard to remember how to score it. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's one of the, like, anytime it happens and I'm not at a game, we, we, we mess it up, but, uh, it, it's weird. It's just different, man. I kind of, again, pace of play, trying to get games over, trying not to have four hour baseball games for the viewing experience. I understand. Um, I don't love them, but I get it. You know, what's going to be interesting is the Reds and the Indians are playing early this year, and something that you and I complained about a year ago, uh, and I've complained about for probably the last five or six seasons, is Major League Baseball must have taken an ear to us and decided to, to do this. Now this year, the Reds and the Indians will be playing a weekend series. Instead of a weeknight series, they're playing a weekend series. Unfortunately, the first time that they're playing this year is going to be a Great American Ballpark, and it'll be on Friday the 16th of April, the 17th and 18th of April, Saturday and Sunday. So it's right away in April, and then they don't play again. I believe it's in the month of May they get it out of the way. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm anxious, and that'll be up in Cleveland, obviously, and... uh and that's what it will be. It'll be May 7th, 8th, and 9th. So the Reds and Indians are going to get their series out of the way in the first two months of the season. Yeah, I, I, I like it for weekend series. Um, it makes sense as, you know, the, the natural rivalry across your, 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 uh, leagues or whatever. It doesn't matter as much now as an early play on every day. On every day, there's an early game, but, um, I kind of liked the way they did it. I think it was last year. It might have been the year before. Even though it was weekday games, I liked that it. it was two in Cincinnati, then two in Cleveland, back-to-back. Like, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, with the tra- how close the travel is, I think that's kind of fun. Almost a four-game series in each other's home park. It's kind of like the way college works, which is really cool. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's harder to duck teams' best pitching. Um so it, it gives you a truer idea of who the better team is, which I kind of like. Um, but, yeah, no, they deserve to be on weekend series. I really wish one was later in the year. Um, but, you know, for one, because, you know, hopefully there would be more fans in attendance, um, which is probably going to happen towards the end of the year. Um, those capacities will probably just go up and up. But, 
Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, but I, I do like that they're a weekend series this year. Blake, we'll have our prediction show coming up next Monday night, and um, we'll have that for, obviously, teams will have played their first three or four games, but nonetheless, we'll have our prediction show next week. But as we wrap up tonight's show, I want to talk to you just, what's the one thing, and I'll answer the same question for the Indians, what's the one thing that you think could be a surprise for this year's Reds team? Tyler Malley. Um, I think Tyler Malley, I could go, I could name probably ten things, but I think Tyler Malley, people don't realize that the red, red second best starter last year was Tyler Malley. Um, he had a 3-5-1 ERA. He struck out over 60 in 41 innings or 47 innings. Like Tyler Malley was really, really good last year. Um, so I think Tyler Malley is going to continue to ascend to be a really good starting pitcher at the major league level. I don't know that he'll ever be a bona fide ace, but you slide him behind Gray and Castillo. I think the Reds still have a legitimate one, two, three at the top of their rotation. They, they can really compete if they get into the postseason. Um, the other thing that I think will surprise people is I think the Reds are going to be better offensively than they've been in a while. And they did, they're going to do so without adding really any outside pieces. And I think a lot of that's just going to be, because they should have been a lot better offensively last year. Um, but Castellanos and Moussakis were just down, and that happens in baseball, especially over a truncated season like we had. So I think you're going to see the Reds score a lot more runs um, they're going to hit a ton of home runs. That's just the way that team's built. They're still going to have a low average. Um, but I think the offense is going to be quite a bit better despite not adding any real offensive punch in the offseason. I think the surprise that the Cleveland Indians are going to have this year is they are going to have to find a way to play Yu Chang. Now, whether or not that means he plays in left field or at first base, Somehow, some way, they are going to have to find a way to play him and get him in the lineup. He is a kid, Blake, that I think has a tremendous upside. And the fact of the matter is the Jake Bowers and the Cesar Hernandezes of the world are not going to be on this team when this team finally gets itself righted and gets enough talent to start winning ball games again. Do I think the Indians are going to be a good ball club? I think they're going to be a 500 ball club. I think they're good enough to finish uh, in the top three of the division, but that's only because of the division that they're in. So as far as I'm concerned, this team needs to be able to put runs on the board. Yu Chang and Bobby Bradley give them that, that much of an opportunity, more than Cesar Hernandez and Jake Bowers do. So that that's my... Surprise for the year. I'll, I'll add that I think Jonathan Indio finished top five in, in uh, National League um, Rookie of the Year voting. That, that's one more that I think will happen. Well, if that, I'll tell you what, if that happens, then the Reds have made the right move in, in moving Mustakas to third and Suarez to short. Suarez is a sure-handed fielder. The problem he's going to have is the range. Yep. But how many shortstops other than the top five in baseball, are able to range as far to their left as behind second base and throw somebody out. Not many. How many are able to go into the hole between third and short, backhand a ball, and throw a guy out at first? Not many. Yeah, I agree completely. And how many shortstops in baseball can you legitimately say have an opportunity to hit 50 home runs? I'll wait. 
Well, the, I, list is, the list is that you in your Florida. Like, he's the list. There's a lot of really good offensive shortstops. Nobody that's going to play shortstop in the bigs this year has as much pop as that Eugenio Suarez. So if I got a shortstop that's going to hit 260, 270, and hit 45 to 50 home runs, catch the ball and hit right at you, kid, and let, let's keep it moving. You know what I mean? Like that, I'm okay with that. Obviously, you'd rather have a, a defensive wizard and shortstop that can hit. You'd rather have a Lindor. But it, it, I'd rather have Suarez there hitting the way he can than, than Jose Garcia playing and not being able to hit at all. Well, I think Francisco Lindor and Carlos Correa would have something to say about that. But I, I think Francisco Lindor, he, and the, and you know, it's funny how this always happens in Cleveland, but everybody that the Indians have is such a nice guy until they leave. Yep. And now all of a sudden it's Francisco Lindor was a problem last year because of his contract situation. And, you know, it was the same thing with Albert Bell uh years ago when he was playing out his option in 96 and or and and moving on to the Chicago White Sox. You know the funny thing about it was Blake when when Albert Bell was in Cleveland. Albert Bell was an SOB when he was in Cleveland. He was an SOB when he left Cleveland. But he was he was our SOB. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it it's it's I don't know. It's just crazy um yeah. To think about how that works. It's the same way in Cincinnati. They, they do the same thing to players. It's not very often that that somebody leaves and everybody's, you know, like, oh, he, he just, like, the only one I can think of that people still kind of like as a person, and this isn't baseball, but it's Andy Dalton. Like, everybody loved Andy Dalton. He's such a good dude. Regardless of what you thought about him as a football player, it's really, you can't hate the person. Um, and, and, you know, but there's people negatively talking about A.J. Green now. And a year ago, they were, everybody <laughs> loved A.J. It's, AJ Green's a fantastic human being and people are hating on him because he left the Bengals. Grow yeah. up, learn, learn, learn the sports are a business. These guys don't, you know, they do what they think is in the best interest of themselves. It, it is what it is. It's no different than any other business in the world. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's, it's mind boggling. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. We'll have our prediction show next week and, uh, we'll get into that and be able to talk more about each division and each team in Major League Baseball. So get yourself prepared, Blake. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's going to do it for tonight's show. Thanks, Blake. We'll talk to you again next week. See you, Dave. We'll be able to talk to everybody again next week at 7 o'clock, Monday night, for the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. For Blake Watson, I'm Dave Mitchell. We'll talk to you again next week on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. <laughs>